The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Uh, What's up, people? This is John Hughes, the creator of Overground Comics. And it is time for the Two-Headed Nerd, GHM with Jared and Matt. Pay attention, because they do this for you. Take it away, fellas. Break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area. It's a whole thing, and you would know about it if Joe would ever draw the comic. It's our pleasure to welcome you to THN, episode 240, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, January 22nd. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not taping my wife's eyes open and forcing her to binge every episode of The X-Files before Sunday's return of Fox and Dana, I am writing the Comic Speculator blog at WordPoint.com. And my name is Jared Savitas, at Willie Toots on the Twitter. And when I'm not putting the final touches on my Fluke Man costume for the big X-Files after party... I'll so be, gross. I'll be hiding in the porta potty <laughs> I'm... I play the character Flintlock, human freebooter on the Pathgrinders 3 Die Deep podcast. I love that our after party is so big we had to get porta potties. Man, that's how you do it. We've only got one toilet you, in the you ziggurat. You want them to screw up the ziggurat <laughs> toilet? Come on, man. That thing's a, a, a palace in there. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Amazing Forest, number one, and Captain Marvel, number one. After that, Toots and I will review 10 more of this week's comics faster than we can intercept Ego, the living planet, on his way to Hollywood during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're in telepathic contact Mm. with the denizens of the theoretical Planet Nine, discussing what their planet should be named and talking about some of next week's comics. And finally... Elise Wisdom makes a return to bring some lady power to the stinky boys' locker room of a podcast. So get ready to want to believe all over again because it's all X-Files jokes from here on out. So turn it up or turn it off. Either way, Toots and I are going to talk about this week's Bag News. Diamond Comic Distributors is spearheading a new convention-style event for comic book stores called Convention Kickoff 2016 on March 5th, scheduled to go from noon to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Convention Kickoff 2016 will be live-streaming convention-style panels to participating comic book stores. Matt, are you going to go to the store and check this out? Maybe. I mean, it sounds kind of cool. What I don't understand is how are they only going to stream it to comic book stores and why just comic book stores? Why not just do it on the internet? Why not? Yeah, man. Because with all the devices and things people can use today, they're, you know, they're like consoles and computers, laptops and pads. Why don't they? Yeah. Why isn't it just out there? Get it out there to everyone because it's not like they're going to sell it. Here's a a quote from Diamond. Tens of thousands of fans have poured into Comic-Cons and conventions around the country in increasing numbers, and this is a great way to encourage those fans to visit their local comic shops and kick off the 2016 convention season. Oh, this is the event organizer, pardon me, Phil Boyle of Coliseum Comics. It's a great way to showcase spring and summer projects from publishers, all the while promoting comic shops as a great place to shop. So the live event is going to have panels with Matt Fraction, Kelly Sue DeConnick, as well as from companies such as Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, and Top Cow, IDW Publishing, Boom, 
Dynamite Entertainment and Diamond Select Toys, meaning they've only got Fraction and Kelly Sue signed on right now. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's a fun idea, but not all comic shops, one, have TVs in Right, them. exactly. Two, not all comic shops have TVs they can slave to their computer. Three... Not all comic shops have places for people to stand to around gather and around watch this, this yeah, shit. Stand around my ass. You're going to want to sit down. Right. Because these things go for hours. Like eight hours of programming they're going to stream. Yes. And I mean, like Legend Comics, we're lucky, has a, you know, a big coffee shop where they could, they could do it. project this and, and show he's, it. He's wanted to pull a projector or put a big TV in there for a while. Yeah. He's had all these other ideas of doing. You know, and I would go hang out for a little while and watch and some stuff. of this. It yeah. sounds kind of neat, I guess. But I just don't get why they don't just stream it to everyone. I mean, when we get excited about comics, where do we go? I, I, we go to the goddamn comic book store. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it as being an incentive to get people into the shop. Right. You know, which is nice. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to spend any money when they go there. Well, speaking there, they are going to do some exclusive variants. They've announced they're going to do an exclusive variant of Batman, Arkham Knight, Batgirl, and Harley Quinn, Power Man and Iron Fist number one. These are all number ones, by the way. Jonesy, number one, and a figure bank modeled to look like Star Wars R4G9. Who the hell is that? I don't know. R4G9. There was a lot of different robots that didn't make it on the screen and like get named. These are, I guess, it's just going to be yeah. another one of those. It's going to be characters. like, oh, it's that. Okay, yeah, like, oh, got like, it. like Hammerhead was. So there are going to be exclusive variants, which is kind of neat, I guess. And this is not a terrible idea. It just, to get people, this seems like you're preaching to the choir. I don't see anybody in the public that doesn't shop at comic shops or shop for comics, it's going to go, Oh wow. I'm going to go check out these comic panels. I mean, yeah. I, I kind of wish they would just stream it. I and, agree with you there. And have the variants at the shop. So we go get them or whatever. And yeah. by all means have the shop do an event and have it on, but just stream it to everybody. It seems kind of silly. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I totally think it should just be streamed. Right. Uh, like I, I, I like that. They're like, Oh, go to the shops. But like you said, have the variants there or maybe some other incentive. Right. Cause then not you know, everybody has yeah. the infrastructure to do this. Uh -huh. Jared, a brand new suicide squad trailer debuted during the CW's dawn of the justice league TV special on Tuesday. The new trailer set a lighter tone than the previous footage and showed a sense of humor that has seemed to be absent in the DC cinematic universe until now. Joe and I have done nothing but complain about how dark these movies are since man of steel came out three years ago. What the hell did you think of this trailer? Okay, I kind of like that. <laughs> that looked kind of fun. It put more hope <laughs> in my heart. <laughs> I will say that. It, it made me a little more hopeful. It looks lighthearted. I mean, not, not like well, funny or like a lighthearted comedy, but they're not taking it too seriously. I just don't want it to venture into the exact opposite where it's not like oh i need these movies are too dark well like this one's dark and snotty and shitty and funny you know like i don't need that like i, I thought but there's lots of neon floyd Lenton looked cool deadshot looked cool i like that we saw him with the guns on his hands all the powers and like, everything looked really neat yeah like i love like uh, looks awesome all the crap coming off the witch all the time that was really like, cool uh, the enchantress everything look I, I i look i don't put a lot of weight into these things because you know, you, you just take these movies as face value. They're just fun. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't expect this movie to change the world by any means. Right. But it looks like it would be, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I will say Jared Leto as the Joker looks good. He does have the tattoos, which I'm not crazy about, 
whatever. He sounded cool. The, uh, they are going all in on Margot Robbie, including a full-on butt shot of her bending oh, yeah, over. Man. That's what people <laughs> want from Harley Quinn, and right? I will say she sounds like Harley. I don't care about Harley as a character, period. And this does nothing to make me care about Harley. And I see myself being completely annoyed by Margot Robbie's performance. Sure. Not because she's a bad actress, but she's doing what Harley does, I guess. Yeah. And I... Well, what she's become. Yeah. And I don't like it or need it. That said, she looks great. She looks good in the costume. Her hair looks great. Makeup looks good. That trailer made the movie look really cool. Yeah. And like a fun ride for sure. So yeah. I don't care. I don't care if it doesn't do anything. I, I never read the comics, so I don't care what it does with the characters. I don't care what it does to the storyline. You know what I mean? DC is doing what they're doing anyways. Right. So uh, you just have to go along for the ride. I love the Suicide Squad and have for a long time. This doesn't look like a huge departure other than forcing a couple characters in there that are uh-huh. necessarily there. And I got to say, if you're going to make a dark and gnarly, you know, DC movie, this is it. This is where you do that. (laughs) Right. You don't do it in Batman and Superman. Do it here. (laughs) Right. Well, I think here's the I think here's the problem. I think that they they did those Batman movies. Uh, Nolan did those movies and they were dark. And then they were like, this is our success is dark. So it's just everything's just dark now. So that's just it. There you go. And I feel like. With Marvel, it could go that way because people are like, oh, that Daredevil series was dark. Oh, that uh, Jones right. was dark. Well, then what if they get word of everybody loving those and they're like, we're going to make the Marvel stuff dark. Right. So do it when appropriate. Yeah. Okay. There we go. All right, Matt. DC Comics has made the unfathomable decision to bring back the 1993 event Bloodlines for a modern remake starting this April. Because, hey, it worked with Secret Wars, right? Sure. For those lucky enough to have missed it, Bloodlines was a pretty terrible story that crossed over through all of DC's 1993 annuals. They put a really nice little neon uh, logo across the top. Yeah, it was like neon blood splash. (laughs) Yeah. And in the original, a group of alien parasites hungry for spinal fluid. Which is delicious, I Uh might add. Sure. They go on a murder spree on Earth. Those that survived their attack gained metahuman abilities and joined with earth's superheroes to repel the invasion oops you didn't think that one over (laughs) it's like when the war of the world's aliens showed up to earth to take it over and they're like wait a minute there's water here (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) right come on guys do your homework (laughs) so matt should we add this to the pile of head scratching ideas coming out of the dc bullpen yes we absolutely should I don't know anyone that looks back on Bloodlines fondly. It was the epitome of bad 90s comics. Forgettable. Absolutely forgettable. And DC tried to inject all these new hardcore heroes into this violent, murderous story. The only thing good that came out of it was Garth Ennis' Hitman. Hitman was born in Bloodlines. Okay. But let's not forget Blood Pack, Razor Sharp... The Cyber Rats, <laughs> yeah, Anima, <laughs> Loose Cannon, Argus, and Gunfire. Dude, rad names. No one remembers these characters. And you know, I did not either. I looked them up, and when I saw them, I was like, oh, God, Ugh. yes. Why they bring this back? I have no idea. Here's the kicker. And I don't like to talk smack about creators on this show. And I'm separating the, the person from their art. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sure they're all perfectly nice people and I would love to hang out with them and pick their brain and have drinks with them. With that said, 
The New Bloodlines is a six-issue miniseries written by J.T. Kroll with art by V. Ken Marion. They previously collaborated on multiple projects at Aspen Comics. I am not a J.T. Kroll fan. You may remember Kroll was the guy that had Roy Harper go on a dead cat swinging heroin binge <laughs> after his daughter died and he couldn't get a boner. That's seriously a true story. <laughs> he couldn't get a boner? To be fair, he thought the dead cat oh. was his daughter. It was a terrible story. It goes down as one of the worst things that they've ever done to Roy Harper as a character. And that was squarely J.T. Kroll's baby. <laughs> Why they're bringing him back to do this. Oh. I, it, it just blows my mind. And it seems to be another in a long line of decisions coming out of D.C. that leaves us all looking at each other like, who the f- Guest for this. <laughs> well, Matt, here's the solicit. When a meteor crashes to Earth, bringing with it an unspeakable alien presence that terrorizes a nearby small town, the lucky ones die first. As for the rest, they find themselves locked in a hellish struggle for control of their bodies and their minds. This isn't just an invasion, it's an infestation! What would you do if the greatest threat to humanity was hidden away inside you? It's a dark and a horrifying science fiction epic about tortured souls who are cursed to a fate worse than death much worse yep dark scary stupid i don't care (laughs) no maybe they're just trying to make it better secret wars for example when they brought that back this is not like the first time they've done it there were secret wars there were secret wars too yes there was secret war you know so this is a long-running thing bloodlines is not a piece of dc history that anyone remembers or cares about Yeah, don't they have a a cooler one they could do there's so many day of judgment was better than that day of judgment was fun you know and they still haven't explained what the hell happened to magic in that universe (laughs) since then (laughs) yeah i i don't care and i'm not on board for this and it's just another weird idea it, it just dc seems to be throwing the pasta against the wall to see if anything sticks i guess so man they're just like we need to do an event let's do this one I, let's I do space couldn't care less jared this spring steve rogers will be restored to his youthful vigor and return to the mantle of captain america in captain america steve rogers from the writer nick spencer and artist jesus saez First revealed on ABC's Captain America 75 Heroic Years, Steve Rogers will return in this new series with a new mission statement, a new costume, and scandal, an all-new shield. Oh, boy. Marvel has recently made a big push in character diversity, but I gotta ask, is bringing back Steve copping out or playing it safe with sales? That's a real good question. I don't understand... Okay, to me, this downplays what they're, you know, the other characters that now have the mantle. Right, like Sam. How can it not? And I don't understand why they don't just fold Steve into that book. Instead of starting another book, fold Steve into that, make him the support. Well, coincidentally, there's another Captain America movie coming. Sure. I mean, it makes sense that Marvel wants to have the character you see on the screen starring in a comic book i get that well do a special do a one shot yeah do something else well when has marvel ever been responsible (laughs) (laughs) the amount of books they put out i mean but i do think there's a there's an issue here they went out of their way to make a female wolverine a black captain america a female thor you know and a mixed race latino black spider-man now we have 
a white and mixed race Spidey, a male and female Thor, a white male and Asian female Wolverine, and black and white Cap. It's like they seem to be trying to have their cake and eat it too. Sure they are. And I just think they should make these characters mentors, have them in the book with the new character that has been elevated to the front and write it for a while and see how it goes. And then just do those like limited series, do a special in movie continuity or something to like showcase the other characters to be like, Hey, these guys are still here. And this is what they're doing now. Yeah. Because nine times out of 10, the people that are going to wander into the shop from the theater are not going to be long-term comic No, they're not going to be like, I want every single issue of this Captain America. never turned out like that. If they had like a single issue special and they read it and they're like, oh, Cap is in this other book doing this mentor or like a buddy cop with this other character that is now the main Spider-Man. Right. Like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just don't, it, it seems backhanded to these new characters it is now i will say nick spencer is writing both books so he's gonna be writing steve rogers mm-hmm. and sam wilson which is good and he said that the two books are going to act as great counterpoints to one another if you're digging the topical ripped off from the headlines approach we're taking in sam's book we've got plenty more of that to come and if you're up for a more timeless take with captain america facing off against hydra and his classic rogues gallery steve's book will be just the thing for you and that sounds cool i like the superhero cap and i like the more political plucked from the headlines cap, but how can it not make Sam take a back seat? There's just no and hurt way. his book. You've like got the white guy books. in the movies. You've got the white guy that's been there for all of Marvel continuity. Yeah. And now you're bringing the white guy back. Of course, Sam Wilson's not going to sell as well. No. Yeah. They're going to hurt those other books. It's they're shooting themselves in the foot. I don't like it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Hey, I'm all for diversity in comics, but if that's, what we're going to do, Stick with it. Yeah, for sure. You at know? least for a while. Yeah, at least for a little bit. And flesh out these characters a little. Yep. And give us Cap and Black Widow and Hulk in movie continuity miniseries or whatever. That's yep. fine, because yep. that's all those people mm-hmm. are going to want anyway. Yep. And if they truly love it, then they might go and dig into this other stuff. They're not going to be like, oh, I don't recognize this character at all. <laughs> I'm confused. Yeah. You know, it just seems silly. for this week if you'd like to discuss these stories and everything you think we missed hit us up on the big news section of the thn forums where jared is pushing joe patrick to the back seat for a change but don't worry they're both going to have simultaneously running books and they're both going to be great guys. yeah man <laughs> you're gonna they're both gonna have simultaneously running podcasts and they're both gonna be great i'm gonna do this twice a week one with jared one with joe oh shit Speaking of Joe, every week, that son of a bitch puts the question of the week up on the THN forums. Jared, tell the listeners what we're asking this week. This week's question is inspired by the return of Bloodlines with a little help from Anthony, currently residing in Brooklyn. He's watching on Periscope. Hey, all right. Is he? I don't know. Oh. You didn't, uh, you didn't, like you were scorpion, too, af- right? you were too afraid to <laughs> I'm too watch af- the feed. I'm too afraid. I'm a caveman. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Which long forgotten and possibly reviled event would you like to see get an update or make a return? Flesh it out too. The heroes, villains that were introduced, etc. Bonus points if you attach a creative team. Now you have until 5 p.m. Central Standard Time this coming Friday, January 27th. 27. To get us your answer, you can call us and leave a message with your answer using Skype. Skype handle is 
Two-Headed Nerd, or at our Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Oh, if you're feeling fuzzy, you can send us an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com, but keep it under two minutes or you will get cut off. If you need more time than that, feel free to write your full answer in the question of the week section of the THN web forums, and then tune in next Thursday to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN Answer of the Week podcast. It's review time in the Ziggurat, where we read and discuss two of this week's comics and then rate them on our buy it, skim it, or leave it scale. We talked about adding a steal it where like you would go and shoplift it. Yes. But we can't encourage like that. Jared, in a week's time or so, when Joe finally admits he's done and emotionally gave up on the show more than a year ago, are you willing to fill his shoes full time? And what did you review this week? Okay, (laughs) Dokely. I read Amazing Forest number one from IDW. It's written by Eric Freitas and Ulysses Farinas. That was good. I think you got it. There's all kinds of crazy names here. The art is by Julian Dufour, Matt Rota, Melody Often, and Yumi Sakugawa. Uh, the cover is drawn by Ulysses Farinas, and he totally looks like he's channeling Jeff Darrow. He's so good. I love Farinas. The cover price is $3.99. It's 36 pages. Here's the solicit. Tales for the bold. Ideas for the strange. Wicked concepts that stir the minds of those with darkness in their hearts. A modern anthology that lends itself to a time when stories were short and ugly. With a title like Amazing Forest, you would think this anthology book might feature stories all set within a magical wood of some sort. You'd be wrong! Probably not a concept that would carry a book for too long (laughs) in untalented hands, and rather a short-sighted view of what you're about to read if you pick this book up. I hadn't heard of this book at all and therefore stepped blindly into this forest of sadness and straight-up bummer town. (laughs) Being an anthology, the reader is, quote, treated to four stories, all written by Fridas and Farinas, with wildly different artists on each. Tank is a futuristic story about shape-shifting slimes that have taken over the world, leading those left alive to travel around in a crazy large tank, killing slimes while figuring out how to survive this disaster and each other felt very walking dead. So yeah, the story doesn't end well. (laughs) Wolf mother is a fantasy tale about the war between man and wolf werewolf to be exact. And in the aftermath of a bloody battle, a child seeks its mother and a mother seeks her child. There was a nice twist at the ending and maybe the only story that ends somewhat happily. Sort of. Kind of. Sort of. Kind (laughs) of. Uh, Ronnie the Robot was a familiar story about a mother left at home to tend the farm with her only child while her husband is off fighting in some space war or whatever for years. Locals creep on her while the husband is away and things don't get any easier for the small family when the soldier husband does return home. I did enjoy the art by Melody Often more than any other in the book. She was great. But guess what? Big surprise. Downer ending. (laughs) Lastly, we have Birdwatcher. I really thought the storytelling in this was by far the most interesting. We follow a lonely birder as he checks birds off his list until he discovers a strange bird that wears his face and has hands for claws. Gross! He seeks help finding this bird from a fellow birder named Jen, 
from whom he ignores advances due to his obsessing over this crazy animal. Time marches on. He realizes his missed opportunity with the lady birder once it's too late and his obsession now seems a curse. Too bad. So sad. <laughs> Look, I applaud anthology books. I love the idea behind them and feel they have a lot to offer. Readers should be treated to a diverse group of talent between the two covers where surely there is something for everyone to enjoy. I also understand that they are not the easiest sell, but personally, I always thrill to the idea of them and have read many over the years. Yet maybe if I had read the solicit going into this book, I would have been prepared for what a downer it is. Every story ended in blackness. It didn't make me feel good. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> the artwork was mostly some part of my tastes. I'm giving this thing a leave it. Okay. Okay. I, I found that this suffered from the same place that a lot of anthologies suffer, wherein there's one or two good stories mm -hmm. and then, you know, the rest are, eh. yeah. I didn't mind the storytelling. Like I thought they were all creative. Like they all kind of had this uh, sort of uh, brutal twilight zone feel to them. Yeah. I thought the tank one was kind of fun. I thought the one with the returning soldier yeah. in the robot suit was really cool. Yeah. I liked that one a lot, but I can't give this any, any more than a skim it. it. It's like the ideas are clever, but they're not fleshed out enough. And they just end mean, you know, and it just seemed like they scribbled some stuff on cocktail napkins, handed it to some friends who were artists and kind of fired it out. It, it just felt kind of rushed. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. I can only give it a skim it. I am really interested to hear Joe's opinion of this because uh, I just listened to the last week's podcast within the last couple of days. Right. And he was super psyched for this and he was more invested than I was because he had been following the creators. Right. Uh, and uh, their talk and build up to this series. So he's really pumped. I, I, I want to know what he thinks about the end product. There was some really great moments, like you said. Yeah. Clever I, ideas, yeah, but not great execution. No. All right, Matt, that's. That was my bummer of a reading. Uh, what'd you read this week? I jumped into the Carol Corps with Captain Marvel, number one, from Marvel, written by Michelle Fazekas and Tara Butters, with art by Chris Anka. It was 32 pages for $3.99. Carol Danvers returns with a new creative team and a new mission. Remember S period W period O period R period D, the sentient world observation and response department? Well, forget them. They're done. And now... Alpha Flight is the first line of defense mm. operating from a satellite in geosynchronous orbit, which sounds a lot like S.W.O.R.D. <laughs> and the green-haired S.W.O.R.D. commander, Abigail Brand, is there, too. But so is Puck, Sasquatch, and Aurora. Mm -hmm. So, S.W.O.R.D. is out, Alpha Flight is in, and who better than to lead a team of Canadian heroes and Abigail Brand than Captain Marvel, right? The premise is just weird enough that I bought it. Of course, the fact that I love Alpha Flight, and this is probably the only way I'll get to see some of the original team in action, didn't hurt either. The new writing team of Fazekas and Butters are writers on Marvel's Agent Carter TV series, so they had no trouble taking on a strong female character like Carol. Here, they write her as an approachable Superman. She's famous, amazingly strong, and a natural leader. I really enjoyed Kelly Sue DeConnick's take on the character, but Fazekas and Butters seem to have softened her just a little, making Carol even more relatable. We see her flirting with James Rhodes before leaving for her new post as Commander Danvers on the Alpha Flight Station, and even her inner monologue feels more natural. 
The comic did a great job of elevating Captain Marvel to Marvel's premier superheroine, and now this new writing team seems to be bringing her back down to Earth. I know, she's in space, that metaphor doesn't work at all. But, I don't remember her being this relatable for a long time. She's still the badass, take no Captain Marvel, but here we see her worrying about her new team not liking her, juxtaposed with her screaming down a crooked waste management group run by aliens a couple of panels later. Anka nails the art from page one, bringing facial expressions that breathe real life into all the characters. He draws Carol as the strong, sexy hero we've come to know, but also does a fantastic job on the surrounding cast. I, I need to get a better look at his Sasquatch, who had the smallest role in this first issue, but even his aliens had real personality, and Matthew Wilson's colors do wonders to flesh out and deepen Anka's minimalist style and give this book a great feel without getting too flashy. I like this new chapter for Carol and plan on sticking around for the ride. Pazikas and Butters have taken the ball from Kelly Sue and gracefully lifted this character to a new, even more important position in the Marvel U, along with resurrecting Alpha Flight. <laughs> And at this point, I'll take whatever I can get from them. I am giving this a buy it. Um, I liked the book, too. I did also think it was strange that Alpha Flight was up there and to see Sasquatch flying in a spaceship <laughs> yeah. was weird. It's certainly new. It's fun that they were there. And I agree with the way Anka draws Carol. She looked like a brick house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she looked yeah. and she wasn't like super overly curvy, yeah, not hyper sexualized brick house, just like a, yeah. a woman that could kick your yeah, ass, which reminded me a lot of um, in Lazarus, the way Michael Lark draws the main character in Lazarus. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That girl looks big. She looks like beefy. So I think this will be a solid new direction for her as like the um, earth space guardian and her team of Canadians. Yeah, it, it's an odd choice for Alpha Flight, but I'm happy to have him back. I give it a buy it, too. So there you go. So that is a leave it and a skim it for Amazing Forest and a double buy it for Captain Marvel. Now get your butts into space and defend the Earth against our opinions of these comics with your opinions of these comics over at the THN forums. See what I did there? Wordplay. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> with the news that ego the living planet would be making an appearance in the next guardians of the galaxy film the big galoot was only too happy to soak up the limelight and is making his way to earth for interviews from anyone who will listen they named him ego for a reason. Yeah, it's a jackass. <laughs> what he doesn't understand is that when a planet his size gets too close to another, bad things tend to happen. Major eruptions, there's huge seismic activity, tsunamis, etc. So in an attempt to save humanity, Matt and I have called in a favor from the Star Jammers, rounded up reporters from Screen Crush, Deadline, and the Latino Review, and we'll be flying them into space to meet the pompous planet while we review 10 more of this week's comics during the Ludicrous speed round! Ludicrous speed! Go! Ice King, number one from Kaboom! It's about time the coolest and most powerful wizard in all of Ooh gets his own series. Yeah, but he just thinks he's the coolest. <laughs> Kaboom continues its line of character-focused books with a tale of a missing Gunther, Ice King's favorite penguin. 
The king of ice madly searches every corner of Ooh for his little sweetums until a ransom note leads him to Wizard City. Rider Pranus Naujokaitis. <laughs> that name okay, is out there, dude. That is the worst butchering of a name we've ever had on this Naujokaitis. show. It. It's a disease. Really captures the tone and feel of the cartoon series. The best part about these Adventure Time books is you can hear the characters' voices as you read them. They're perfectly dialogued. If you like fun that never ends, buy it. Yeah, they kill these books. They're so good. American Monster number one, Aftershock. Brian Azzarello makes his Aftershock debut with a story so mean it was hard to know who I was rooting for. A scarred man with a bright red face that kind of looks like the little angry guy from Inside Out if he were seven feet tall shows up in a small Midwestern town at the same time a financial advisor and his wife are brutally murdered. And I mean brutally murdered. No clue as to what's going on here yet, but Azarello is certainly at his meanest. Fantastic art by Juan Doe and amazing colors. He did the whole shebang. Doe is nothing short of amazing with his point of view and his animated style. I just hope the storyline does something to keep up with the art. Right now I'm giving it a skimmit. Ted McKeever's Pencilhead, number one from Image Comics. The first issue of this black and white five-issue series promises a mostly true story about the whacked-out world of comic books and their creation. Following a comic creator named Poodwaddle <laughs> on deadline, the work is due today. Taking place over the course of a single day, the story just gets nuttier as nighttime seeps in. Pencilhead is beautiful, horrifying, disturbing, stylish, creepy, funny, mesmerizing, brilliant, and weird. You need this. You just buy it. Dump the whole bag of adjectives on this one. <laughs> Poison Ivy Cycle of Life and Death number one of six from DC Comics. Amy Chu does a decent enough job of writing Pamela Isley trying to reinvent herself as a biologist working in the Gotham Botanical Gardens, which is very forward thinking of them to hire a well-known psychotic supervillain. Clay Mann does a nice job on art here with his thin line style, but there was a panel where I could not figure out what was supposed to be shocking. <laughs> we get an obligatory Harley Quinn appearance and a mystery that seems fairly predictable at this point. Chu does a nice job on writing Ivy as a person, but the story just doesn't grab me. I'm sorry, I find it hard to believe that someone like Poison Ivy can go out and get a job with her past. <laughs> I'm giving this a skip it. Dragon Age Mage Killer number two from Dark Horse. Last month, I reviewed issue number one of Greg Rucka's take on the world of Thetis from the Dragon Age video game franchise. So why not keep it going? In this issue, our pair of mage killers are forcibly made to track down and assassinate four mages supposedly involved in a cult. Things get complicated with one of the targets and our killers are forced to bail on the contract and make themselves scarce. Now the target is on their backs, and as if that wasn't enough to worry about, a mysterious terror rips open the sky and starts spewing demons, as seen in the third major title in the franchise, Inquisition. I haven't played it yet. Again, if you are not into the games, some of the world and society details will be lost on you, but I still think it's worth going for the ride to see what Rucka does. It gets a let's hope I'm right skimming. <laughs> that's, that's good <laughs> qualification. Devolution number one, Dynamite. I think that's how you say it. Rick Remender comes to Dynamite with the story of what happens when a man-made virus de-evolves most of the planet. Animals, bugs, people, everything. Remender's script is terrifying and moves at a breakneck pace as usual, but the real star here is Jonathan Wayshack's art. 
It's equal parts Steve Dillon and Sean Phillips, and wow, did it look good. Dynamite seems to be making a push with books like this and the new Warren Ellis James Bond to break out of their line of reinvented old licensed properties, and I'm all for it. And yes, I'm well aware that James Bond is an old licensed property. Devolution was trashy, mean storytelling in the vein of old heavy metal comics. I'm giving it a buy it. Jim Henson's storyteller, Dragons, number two from Arkea. I wanted to find one more title with Dragon in it. I know. So we could have a Dragon trifecta. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, the storyteller continues to do what he does best. Weave stories. In this tale, we meet the heir to the lordship of Lampton named John. John is a bit of a sh** and everyone knows it. <laughs> one day while fishing the river, he pulls from it a vile-looking worm with which, without a second thought, he tosses down a well. John leaves to fight in the Crusades, and during that time the worm grows while feasting on the local livestock until it threatens Lambden. The villagers appease the beast with cow's milk, of which it's become rather fond. The milk supply runs low, the worm rages, and John returns to find Lambton in ruin. Now a grown man and a knight to boot, John sets out to face the beast he himself set loose upon his people. Storyteller is just another in a long line of wonderfully beautiful series from Markaya. I seriously cannot wait to share these books with my son when he is older. That's touching. Buy it! Hero Corpse Knights, number one from Overground. Overground is a relatively new publisher that set out to launch a universe in real time. Here's what that means. Company ah. founder John Hughes, not dead Home Alone oh, director John okay. Hughes, says this will create a more natural storytelling environment for readers without reboots, relaunches, or retcons. That means whatever happens, happens. What a refreshing idea, huh? Here, Hughes writes and draws his first series at Overground about a corporation that makes heroes out of ordinary folks for profit, of course. This is heady superhero storytelling with very believable dialogue that reads well out loud. His narration reminded me of Rod Serling setting up the Twilight Zone, but I liked it. Hero Core Knights gets a buy it. The Legend of Wonder Woman, number one from DC Comics. This is a digital first book, but uh, this issue kicks off a nine-issue series that takes an extended look at the origins of Wonder Woman, my favorite DC superhero. Not just her origins, but the origins of the Amazons themselves and their home island, Themyscira, as brought upon by Wendy's mother, Hippolyta, queen of the Amazons. The series is written and drawn by Renee DeLiz, whom I'm familiar with from IDW's adaptation of oh, The Last Unicorn. She's so good. Renee does a smashing job here, and the artwork is beautiful. Body proportions and the visual ages of characters were a little wonky for me, but this should be a great read regardless. Uh, it's great for younger readers, I'm sure. Hopefully the choice to show Diana as a little girl doesn't go the way of showing Anakin Skywalker as a little kid. <laughs> So your mileage may vary when it comes to kid superhero books. I'm giving it a very strong skimmit. Silver Surfer number one from Marvel. Dan Slott and Mike Alward continue their run on the Surfer with the story of what happens when he brings Don Greenwood home. By the way, Don Greenwood is my new comic book crush. She's so cute. Alward spills insanity all over every panel while keeping the characters very emotional and human. Slott's story is the antithesis of the inhuman soul pain of the Surfer's past and more of just a fun cosmic romp. This has been my favorite run of the Silver Surfer ever. I said it. Buy it. <laughs> that is your ludicrous speed round. And is the onomatopoeia of this week, which is also the sound of some four-eyed aliens transforming into 
every character you can think of from popular culture, Earth culture, that is, as seen in Silver Surfer number one. It was really funny. They went to, like they stole all our popular culture and transformed into like Tron <laughs> and like Rocky Balboa, oh, and, like Sherlock Holmes. And then the Silver Surfer went to fight them, but they were all good guys. <laughs> and they were like, wait a minute, why are we fighting? Not to brag here, but Jared and I have been in telepathic contact with this new ninth planet that's still only a theory for two Caltech astronomers that got published recently for more than a year now. And before we get into it, suck it, Pluto. You're a planetoid, not a planet. Got it? Here in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum slash planetarium, we take astronomy seriously. So, of course, we opened our minds and our data rolls to the inhabitants of Planet Nine, and after reading the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft, they have agreed on the name Yugoth for their dark world, (laughs) slowly orbiting the sun about 20 billion miles away. Jarrett, did I forget to mention the intelligent fungi we contacted are huge nerds? They love comics, especially Teen Dog for some reason, (laughs) and they want to know what we're excited to read next week. My pick for next week is Hellboy Winter Special number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Mike Mignola, art by Michael Walsh. That's 32 pages for $3.99. Solicit. Best-selling novelist Chelsea Kane writes and Michael Avon Oming draws the first of three snowbound stories. Then Tim Sale visits Mignola's prehistoric mythology and in a lead into the upcoming issues of Hellboy and the BPRD 1953, Hellboy explores a haunted mine in the barren wastes of Wyoming. This sounds crazy. It's awesome. And aside from like one shots and short, you know, little two issue tales, I think this is the first special like that's been termed Hellboy special since like that Christmas special or yeah, the I think you're right. itty bitty Hellboy special yeah, yeah, yeah. before they did those series. I think so. Uh, but come on, man. Anything Hellboy gets me excited. Oh, yeah. Boners for Hellboy. My pick for next week is Cry Havoc, number one, from Image, written by Simon Spurrier with art by Ryan Kelly. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit, and whew, it's a doozy. Behold the modern monstrosity! X-Men legacy writer Simon Spurrier and superstar artist Ryan Kelly present Friends, Fragility, and Firepower in an all-new series, mixing the hard-boiled militaria of Jarhead with the dark folklore of Pan's Labyrinth. Includes an unprecedented use of multiple colorists, which I don't know if that's unprecedented, because I feel like DC has like 75 inkers and colorists in every book. (laughs) Matt Wilson, Lee Loffridge, and Nick Filardi to define the story's threads, and an incredible variant cover by Eisner Award winner Cameron Stewart! This is not the tale of a lesbian werewolf who goes to war, except it kind of is. <laughs> that alone, I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, before that, I was like, I oh, know, that sounds all right. And then we got to the lesbian werewolf going to war, and I went, in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, Spurrier, you are a crazy person. Take me on this ride. Can't wait. I think it's going to be wild. The THN trade of the week is Book of Death, The Fall of the Valiant Universe. It's the second part i get it now art by robert gill and doug braithwaite it's 14.99 that's nice and cheap here's the solicit so let it be written so let it be done the dawn of the new dark age foretold in book of death 
continues right here with a glimpse into the future of the Valiant Universe in four visionary tales of present and future ripped directly from the pages of the Book of the Geomancer. An all-star cast of creators comes aboard the year's monumental comics event to chronicle the ultimate fate of Valiant's most indelible heroes. (laughs) Inedible heroes. (laughs) I can't eat this exo-man of war. Dude, he's too, too, too tough. From the modern day to the far future, the destinies of Bloodshot, Ninjack, the Harbinger Renegades, Exo Manowar, and more will stand revealed in these four essential standalone chapters at the epicenter of the blockbuster Valiant event of the year. This book collects Book of Death, The Fall of Bloodshot, number one, Book of Death, The Fall of Ninjack, number one, Book of Death, The Fall of Harbinger, number one, and guess the title of the next one, Book of Death, the fall of Exo Man of War, number one. Ed, I'll tell you what. Book of Death, they won my Beppo for f- best event mm-hmm, of last year. Mm-hmm. It was so good. You guys need to read this stuff. Wonderful. Well, Jared, it seems the fungi from Yelgoth aren't such bad guys after all. Who but knew? they are sick of this Nibiru conspiracy. Yeah, knock it off and read an astronomy textbook while you're at it, internet conspirators. While we finish welcoming our new friends to the solar system, why don't you head over to Teach and Forums and tell us what you're excited to read next week. I spelled friends wrong because I'm dumb. <laughs> All righty, Matt, let's break this stinky dude fest up. And bring some lady power into the ziggurat. Elise Wisdom is back with some words of wisdom. So pay attention, nerds, and mind your damn manners. Hello, listen, nerds, and welcome to the first 2016 edition of Words of Wisdom. If you're anything like me, you're probably hoping this is going to be a big year for you. The year you finally stop being Jennifer Walters and start being She-Hulk. I'm pretty sure this is going to be the year that Leonardo DiCaprio finally wins an Oscar, But even if he doesn't, he still has a huge pile of money and supermodels to fall back into, so I'm sure he'll be okay. Anyway, one of my objectives this year is to try new things. I know DeOrca is going to assume something disgusting about that statement, so I'm just going to acknowledge it and move right along. My first new thing of the year was trying out an escape room, and I have to say, it was a lot of fun. It was a chance for me to combine several of my interests, which include puzzle games, being held hostage, and yelling at strangers. I know that different escape rooms operate under different rules, so my experience might differ from others, but here's how mine went down. Like many escape rooms, this one had a theme, and the theme was that we were being kidnapped and had to figure out a bunch of combinations in order to open safes which would ultimately give us the code to the door before a murderer came to kill us all. Fellas, keep this in mind for Valentine's Day! Now, this was a group of six people, and before we went in, we had the rules explained to us, and then we were led into the room, blindfolded, and handcuffed to a bed frame. I know this sounds like Dorica's house, but I'm 98% sure it wasn't, because I didn't see any cardboard cutouts laying around. Now, after taking off our blindfolds, we proceeded to wheel the bed frame we were all handcuffed to around the room in the dark, looking for a key for about five minutes before the 19-year-old kid working at the place got onto the loudspeaker and informed us that there was a light switch. Off to a great start. We were quickly able to find the key to the handcuffs and then began looking for clues to the many, many combination lockboxes and safes around the room. We had an hour to solve all the puzzles and escape, and it came down to the last few seconds of trying to figure out Morse code and failing to get the combination in time. As someone who likes to win at things, I didn't handle it as well as I should have. 
Wisdoms are known for their competitiveness and poor sportsmanship. That being said, I'd love to do another one sometime. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Speaking of competitiveness, I never did get into Dungeons and Dragons, because when I had the game explained to me in middle school, I responded with, but how do you win? This was answered by my friend telling me that it's not that kind of a game, there aren't really winners or losers, and that's when I noped the f**k out. What's the point if I can't shatter the dreams of my fellow man? But that being said, I've been informed that there's often alcohol at these gatherings, and I've been invited to attend and just observe. So I may accept that invitation in the near future and not so quietly get drunk on the sidelines. So here's to trying new things and hopefully figuring out what the hell I'm doing with my life. Cheers, nerds. Till next time, wisdom out. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the return of the X-Files episode of THN. If you dig podcasts that celebrate old sci-fi shows without mentioning a single word about their comic adaptations, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or tune in and Overcast. It's a new aggregator. It's fun. And while you're there, leave us your star ratings. Leave us some reviews. Leave us some thumbs up and some hearts because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. A big thank you to all of our donors. You sustain our donor boners every week. And Lord knows as you get older, it gets harder to maintain. <laughs> There's pills. Yeah. You have to deal with pills. <laughs> if you want to help support THN, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. To become a sustaining member, it's as easy easy as clicking the make this donation monthly box and as little as one dollar a month really does help if you're interested in sponsoring THN, shoot us an email with the subject line sponsorship but if you want to yell at us personally head over to twoheadednerd.com there you can find links to all of our contact info via periscope twitter youtube facebook tumblr where we post the outtake of the week skype and most importantly our ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 that is how you can play along with this show and if you dig the music you hear on the show you can subscribe to our soundtrack playlist on spotify by searching for matt bombs spotify profile before we go our weekly shout out goes to loyal listener and sometime love slave Kevin Coffey, who announced that his wife let him have sex with her again and they're having another baby. Word to you, Kevin. Jared, do you have any baby name suggestions? Yes, I have three. Okay. 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 So they named their boy Sam. Okay. Right? The first one was Sam. Yes, and, and I like to call him Samwise when I see him. Samwise so, Coffey. Bam. Name the kid Frodo. So then you got a twofer right there. You got Frodo and Samwise Bam. Or... Oh. I always tell people if it's a boy, you name him Thor. Okay. And then if you have a girl, you name her Shark. <laughs> shark Coffee. I like it. <laughs> Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just name your next child Pubert. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Signing off! You are my